thank God for it. Amen. Amen. So, amen. I, I believe that uh, God would um, want to speak uh, to those of us in the room tonight. And I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurry. I got a few things I want to say, and um, we'll just kind of see how much we can get into. But um, I believe God wants to speak to somebody tonight. Uh, as I as I talk to pastors and preachers, uh, you know, several different ones, it seems like there's a a certain kind of theme that I'm hearing uh, as I'm as I'm talking to pastors and preachers for what they're feeling in the spirit in their church, and and I realize it's not just a particular church, but uh, it seems like it's I'm, I'm hearing it a lot, and of uh, what God is maybe wanting to speak to the church as a whole. And, uh, and so I, this is something I would want to address this evening, and I believe God's going to help us. Uh, let, let, I, begin, I begin this message this evening with this question. Do we have any believers in the house? Come on, do we have any believers in the house? Is there anybody here that believes that God manifested himself and died on a cross for the salvation of all mankind? You believe that? Oh, hallelujah. Is there anybody whose belief in that fact caused you to be obedient to the word of the Lord and repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost because you believed in what Jesus Christ did for you? Is there anybody that truly believes that there is only one Lord and one faith and one baptism? Does anybody believe this book right here is the Bible and it is the unfallible word of God? Is there anybody that still believes we are to come out from among them and be ye separate from the world from the world and be holy for he is holy? Do we have any believers in the house? Do we have any believers? You believe this. You believe this. You believe. We are believers. We are believers. How many know that without belief, none of us would be here this evening? Without belief, none of us would be here. None of us would be saved. This evening without belief. The book would say it like this. John chapter 3 and verse 36. And I didn't give them to you, did I? Or did I? I gave them to you, didn't I? There we go. For the book would say it like this. John three thirty-six. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Son, we've already taught is just the physical manifestation of God himself. If you believe that Jesus Christ was God in flesh and what Jesus did on this earth he that believeth on that and is obedient to that shall have everlasting life. We're here because we are believers. John chapter 5 verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. John chapter 6 verse 35, And Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John chapter 6, verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Do we have any believers in the house? John chapter 7, verse 38, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the verse continues speaking of the fact that he's talking about the Holy Ghost. John chapter 11, and verse 25, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I'm glad I believe today. I was dead in my trespasses and in my sins, but because I believed on him, I now have life and life more abundant and life 
everlasting belief. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a believer. Turn to your other neighbor a little more emphatically, like you really believe you're a believer, and tell them, I'm a believer. So we see and we understand that our belief was first necessary in order to bring about our salvation. We never would have been repented. We never would have been baptized. Never would have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost if we didn't have belief. But I feel prompted in the Holy Ghost to speak this evening on the second purpose. Can't even say what I've been sent to say. The second purpose for our belief. The second purpose. For the question is this, what are we to do with our belief once we have activated it for our salvation? Are, are, are we to just look back on the belief that we put forth and exuded that purchased our salvation? Are we just supposed to look back on it and say, man, that was a great belief we had. Are we, are, are we to just go around telling people of that which we have already put our belief in? Are, are we to just come to church and shout about the fact that we, uh, uh, shout about that which we have previously and already believed in? We've already been saved because of the belief. And so are we just supposed to come to church and when the preacher talks about what we've already believed in and what it's accomplished in our lives is the whole purpose of it for us to just get excited and, and it's fine that we do, but I think there's probably more to it. You see, because I believe the Bible is pretty plain for what the saint of God is supposed to do with their belief once they have experienced their conversion. You need a belief to be converted. You need a belief to be saved, right? So once we're saved, what do we do then with the belief? What do we do then with the belief? The Bible's plain. It's not an unheard of vague portion of Scripture if you've been in church very long at all. Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Somebody said amen. And so here we see that after the initial use of our belief for salvation, it is then the will of God for you and I to use our belief not just put it up on a shelf and say, man, I really had belief to get me to this place. And in order to be saved, I sure had to have belief. And I'm sure thankful for that belief. And isn't that belief awesome? And let's look back and rejoice over the belief that I already had to get me to where I am. But the word of the Lord is telling us very plainly that after the initial use of our belief for salvation, it is then the will of God for you and I to use our belief in him to operate in apostolic ministry. 
We call it apostolic ministry because the casting out of devils, the laying on of hands for the recovering of the sick, the speaking of tongues was, was what the apostles personally witnessed. It's what, it's what the early church witnessed. And these verses are telling us this evening that it is what you and I are to be witnessing in our lives as well. Now, I believe that the taking up of serpents and the drinking of deadly things is speaking of the power that we have over unexpected tragedies, unexpected trials. That's why we don't handle snakes around here. <laughs> That's why we don't, you know, go around drinking deadly stuff just to prove that God, you know. This is, this is unexpected stuff. Paul was building the fire and he didn't know a viper was in the wood and the, the viper comes unexpectedly out of the wood and bites him and he shakes it off because of the power of the Holy Ghost was within him. It was an unexpected thing. But, but the casting out of devils and the laying hands on the sick is to be that which we are to be intentional about. Intentional. Somebody say intentional. And I feel in my spirit that God would desire a revival within this church of you and I becoming more intentionally apostolic. Intentionally apostolic. We can shout about it, but are we intentionally apostolic in the context of our day? at the grocery store, in the neighborhood, at the park, at the school, at the whatever? Are we intentionally apostolic? For it's God's will for us to not just say we're apostolic, but to actually be apostolic. Oh, hallelujah. You see, it's not God's will for us to just come to church on a Thursday and Sunday and shout about the fact that we're apostolic, but it's God's will that we are apostolic on Monday. And Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday. You see, so it is my burden this evening to speak to those who have been in church a long time and it's my burden to speak to those who haven't been in church a long time at all. For it is the will of God for all of us to be used by him in apostolic ministry like never before. I believe this. I truly believe this. I believe that there's a reason why I'm hearing this theme from the voices of many ministers and pastors across the country. I believe it's because God is wanting to take the church as a whole to the next level. And he's wanting to take this local church to the next level. Can I get a witness in the house now? And in order to get there, it's going to be, uh, it's going to require for the apostolics to be apostolic. Not just in word, but in deed. It's absolutely God's will to use you in the casting out of devils, the deliverance of the addicted, the healing of the sick, to use you. It's absolutely the will of God for you and I to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of faith, the working of miracles. So much not just on a, in an altar on a Sunday, but in our schools, 
and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and in our homes and in our community groups. Is there anybody, is there anybody else in the room that believes what I'm talking about right now? Oh, hallelujah. Is there anybody else in the room who wants what I'm talking about right now? How many know, how many know, especially those of us that have been in church a while, we can just get comfortable. Right, we can just get comfortable, man. We're saved, we're coming to church, you know, we, we do some stuff, we're plugged in a little bit here and there, and uh, everything's just kind of going good, and we found a little niche, we found a little comfort zone that we're just kind of rolling with and, and, and operating with, and I feel, I just felt in prayer today that it's the will of God to shake some of us up that have been in this for a long time, but have yet to truly operate in the apostolic calling that is resting upon us. Because I believe I hear the voice of the Holy Ghost telling somebody, it's not too late for you to do what I've called you to do. And you're not too old to do what I've called you to do. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I want to make it very plain that the greatest need that mankind, that mankind has is that which can only be fixed by their obedience to the word of the Lord. I want to make that plain. But how many know that you had a journey before you got to the place of being obedient to the word of the Lord? Am I right about it? You had a journey to get there. And others are going to have a journey as well. It's going to look different than yours. But they're going to have a journey as well. And so it is that when it comes to ministry and how we are to minister effectively in our worlds, I think it would be wise to pattern our lives and our ministry after the greatest model for ministry that ever lived, obviously speaking of Jesus. And I want you to look at what his ministry looked like. I want you to see what his ministry looked like. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, speaking of this, it says, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So I want us to see that when it came to the ministry of Jesus, the doing came first. And then the teaching. Luke chapter 24, verse 19. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Again, here, referencing Jesus, they referenced his deeds first and then the word. And it was this principle of spiritual action it was this principle of miraculous demonstration followed closely thereafter by a declaration of the word that the early church modeled, that Jesus modeled. And if this is what they modeled, I think it would behoove us to do it as well. I absolutely believe that if we would start doing demonstrating the power of God that is at work within us, then we would not have a problem finding someone to teach a Bible study to. Oh, hallelujah. 
If we would begin to do and to allow ourselves to operate and be used by God in this apostolic ministry, we wouldn't have any issues at all finding hurting people to teach what this precious book says for their lives. Now listen, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm, and I guess I could be wrong. I was wrong once. But I I just don't know, and I'm not saying you do anything wrong if you do it. I'm just, I, I just don't know if we are to pray, God, send me some hungry person to teach a Bible study to. I'll just let that settle there. Because I've said it. You've said it. We've heard it. Let's pray God to send us hurting people. But I I don't know if we find that in Scripture where we just kind of sit back and wait for somebody to come to us. Now it sounds good and it feels good and it makes us feel like we're doing something. Right? Right? But, but I, I, hear, I hear the master of the house saying, go into the highways and the byways. And compel them. Compel them. And so I, and so I, just, I just have to wonder if, 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 we're, you know, if we're praying this prayer about God, send us somebody, send us somebody, send us somebody. I just have to wonder if maybe we've missed a bunch of people that maybe God has sent us because we were looking for them to want to be taught first and they were needing a demonstration first. And so God's saying, I'm sending you all kinds of people whose journey will eventually get them to a place just like your journey eventually got us to the place of wanting to hear the word, their journey is going to want eventually get them to the place of hearing the word. But what they need first is not somebody to teach them a 12-part Bible study. What they need is somebody to lay their hands on them because there's a sickness in their body. Oh, hallelujah. But in the laying on of the hands and in the eradication miraculously of the disease, it's going to open a door for them to say, I want to know more about this Jesus that just healed my body. I want to know more about this one who has the power for me to take this report from the doctor one week And the next week, it's all gone. Tell me more about this one who has the power to do that. Hallelujah. So that's why I feel the Holy Ghost is talking to this church tonight, for it is his will. It is is absolutely his will for there to be a revival of the message. Our world needs a revival of the message. But I believe it's first going to take a revival of the miraculous in order to open the doorway 
to a revival of the message. So it's time for the church to believe with confidence that God can use me and that God will use me in the same way that he used my brothers and sisters in the book of Acts, that if he did it for them and if he did it through them, that he can do it through me and he can do it for me and my hands can be involved in the same things their hands were involved in. And I want to do something great for the glory of God, not so I can put it on Twitter, not so I can put it on Instagram and that somebody was healed or somebody was whatever, but so that that healing of that individual will then open a door and give me an opportunity to teach them. Unless a man be born again of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I want to teach them. I want to show them. I want to disciple them. I want to see them go down in the water grave of baptism. I want to see him speaking with other tongues but it's a journey and it's just possible they need me to be more like Jesus and do first and then teach Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2 now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ he sent two of his disciples and said unto them Art thou he that should come? He's wanting to know, are are you really Jesus? Or do we look for another? Are you really the answer? Are you really the Messiah? Are you really what this world needs? Jesus answered and said unto unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Again, notice, this isn't, this isn't my words. These are the words of Jesus. I want you to notice the order in which Jesus listed the things that he had accomplished to prove he was who he was. He mentions the physical miracles first. Then he talks about the gospel being preached. Don't leave here and say, well, pastor, don't preach it. Don't believe in the preaching of the gospel. Because you missed it. You see, Jesus said, listen, I, 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 in order to prove to a doubting individual that I really am who I said I am and that I really am the one they're looking for and the one that they need, he said, I want, I want you to first see the physical miracles. And then I want you to know the gospel is preached. And he didn't, I believe Jesus never did anything by accident. I don't think he just haphazardly picked that order. I believe he was trying to show us the first, the miracles, and then the message. Oh, hallelujah. When those with cancer are healed, When those with crippled limbs are healed. When those with addictions are set free. They're going to want, most of them at least, are going to want to know more of this one who has healed them and set them free. Do they still need to repent, be baptized with the Holy Ghost? Absolutely, or they can't go to heaven. Yes, yes, yes. But because those things are absolutely essential for their salvation... 
The Holy Ghost is giving us insight into this biblical principle that will move them from a place of rebellion where they don't even know, are you really him? Are you really the one? To a place of complete obedience. And what is it? The doing first of the people of God. Opens the door for the teaching of the word and his glorious truth. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said amen. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Jesus. Say, well, pastor, I've, I've only been in church a year or so, and I guess those people would all be in the class. Pastor, there's, there's still so much about this Bible that I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not near as spiritual as other people in the church. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that. Made too many mistakes, failed too many times. Look at what the book says, Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Somebody say they're having revival. They're having a harvest. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So here we find that the people... This city was experiencing a tremendous outpouring or a tremendous uh, reception and revival and harvest of the things of God. And what was it that brought about this great revival? We find the answer to that a few verses before when it says this in Acts chapter 6 and verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. I don't have time to get into the whole thing. Just understand there's a vacancy in the body of Christ. And the Lord fills this vacancy with these individuals, seven of them who are of an honest report and full of the Holy Ghost. We skip to Acts chapter 6 verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so here we see that God had a purpose and God had a plan for revival in this city. But it never took place until a few people in the local church allowed themselves to be used by God to be sold out for the call of God that was upon their life. And I want you to see, these were not necessary. All of them were not preachers. All of them were not pastors. All of them were not evangelists. Have any of you ever heard of Prochorus? Has anybody ever heard of Nicanor? Simon, Parmenas, Nicholas, in Scripture. Have you heard great messages preached about these great individuals? Because we know so much about them. No, we don't know anything about them other than this right here. <laughs> but what, what was the story? What's the point? The point is this. They were saints of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with faith, who believed who believed, I'm not Paul, but I can do something great for God. 
I'm not one of the apostles, but I can do something great for God. I'm not a pastor, but I can do something great for God. I'm not an evangelist, but I can do something great for God. And because they believed it, the power of God greatly multiplied throughout that city. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm here to tell somebody that a great harvest of souls isn't going to come about because, thank God, because of your pastor's preaching ability. And it's not going to come about because some new program. And it's not going to come about because of some new book. But it'll come about if some people sitting in this room right now that'll say, Pastor, I'm honest and I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And I want to be used by God in a way that I've heard about but I've never experienced. I don't want to just hear about it. I want to do it. I want my hands involved in the harvest. Come on, like they've never been involved in the harvest before. I don't want it to be somebody else's testimony. I want it to be my testimony. I'm tired of hearing everybody else being used by God. I want to have the story of laying hands on the blind man and watching his I want to have the story for myself of the miraculous touch of the Holy Ghost being a conduit of the supernatural power of God coursing through me into the life of one that is hurting. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I might not be the pastor, but I can be used by God in a great and a mighty way. Oh, hallelujah. Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. Man, I feel the Lord. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren. Somebody say certain brethren. Unto the rulers of the city crying, these have turned the world upside down. Now, we talk about this verse all the time. We talk about it. We preach about it. How the early church turned their world upside down. It's, It's saying... They were literally affecting their entire city. They were the talk of the town. They were the change agent in their entire geographical region. And we shout about all this stuff happening and we think it's really cool that our apostolic forerunners and brothers and sisters in the Lord brought about such an awesome display of God's glory and God's revival power. But my question to us tonight is this. Do we believe we could accomplish something like that. Do we believe that? Do we believe the, sit, the people sitting on these chairs tonight could be used by God to accomplish what they accomplished in Acts 17? Oh, hallelujah. You see, because if we're not careful, we can compare ourselves to them and we can see this great, wonderful outpouring this grand thing that they accomplished and we would begin to believe the lies of the enemy that would tell us that they must have been way more spiritual than us. They had to have been more godly than what we are. In order to see what they saw, they must have been a whole lot smarter, wiser than us. They must have been more gifted, more talented than us. They must have had something we don't have. Something we don't have. But we find the verse in the, we find the truth in the verse that I just read to us. Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren. You see that? And said, These are the ones who are turning their world upside down. 
the greatest revival that the world had ever seen was brought about by certain brethren. Come on, somebody. You, you would think that these people who were so much more, obviously so much more spiritual than us, obviously so much smarter than us, so much more gifted than any of us, would surely have gotten their names in the book. No. They're just certain brethren. Certain brethren. Just everyday people. Just normal people. Just saints of God attending services at one another's houses, breaking bread, praying, listening to the word of the Lord being taught, doing what God told them to do in the context of their day. Their kids had to go to some religious or some sort of training during the day. They had to get up and make breakfast. They had jobs. They had careers. They had families. They had everything that you and I have. But they had a belief in their spirit. They had something within them that rose up and said, I am what I am by the grace of God and I want to do something awesome for the kingdom of God and I believe I can turn if you'll join with me and if you and I believe we can do something. I believe our church can turn this city upside down for the glory of God. I believe we can infiltrate our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ and we can pull everybody that will from a place of darkness to a place of life. I believe we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I just believe my hands could be involved in that. I know I'm just a certain brother. I know my name's not going to get in the book, but it doesn't matter. I may just be a normal apostolic believer, but I got power coursing through my veins. I want to do something great. I want to do something great. The reality is this. A hundred years from now, if the Lord tarries, nobody's going to remember Anthony Cox. We like to think they will, but they're probably not. And I don't mean to uh, crush you, but probably they're not going to remember you either. Just certain brethren, just certain saints of God, in a certain period of time, in a certain generation of time that did something great. <laughs> that did something great for the glory of God. My name's never going to be in the books. My name's never going to be in the lights. A hundred years from now, nobody's even going to remember who I am or who you are. But what about it, church? What if we came together as a collective body of believers and said, hey, I believe what the Word said. I believe we can do this. I believe we can accomplish something great for the kingdom of God. And it's not about just sitting on a pew waiting for it to happen. It's about getting up and doing first doing first get involved in the harvest get involved in the harvest get involved in the harvest lay your hands on somebody be intentionally apostolic for the glory of almighty God
Come on, put your hands together if you believe what I'm preaching right now. Come on, it's time for the church to be intentionally apostolic like we've never been before. It's time to get up off the sidelines. It's time to get rid of the excuses. It's time to get rid of all the reasons why we can't. And just remember, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now, watch this. I don't want this just to be, you know, where you feel like you get hyped up a little bit to do something for God and then come, you know, next Tuesday, it's all gone. I want revelation to get into somebody's life because revelation will cause us to be intentionally apostolic from now till Jesus comes. Watch this now, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now watch verse 21. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. I want to read this to you from another version of Scripture, it says this, Hebrews 13 and 21, it says this, equipping you with everything good so that you may do his will. Somebody say everything. Equipping you with everything you're going to need. Somebody needs to hear this right now to do his will. The word of God is giving us revelation of the fact that we have been equipped with everything necessary to fulfill the will of God in our lives. He hasn't just given us some things. He's given us everything. He hasn't just given us a few things we need to involve ourselves in apostolic ministry. He's given us everything. To involve ourselves in apostolic ministry. So you know what that means, precious saints of God? We have zero excuses. It's a little quiet right now. So you know now if there is zero excuses, real excuses, for why we can't be used by God. You know what the only thing is that will stop us? Flesh 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 God has already equipped us with everything we need to involve ourselves in every aspect of apostolic ministry it does not matter what you think you can do God's word has already told us and promised to us I've given you everything to do everything I've told you to do well, I, 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 I can do this, but I, I, I could never do something like that. No, yes, you can. You want to know why? Because you've been equipped with it. Oh, come on now. Well, I, I just don't have the right personality. I just don't have the right education. I just don't have the right talent, the ability, the strength. I haven't been in church long enough. I've made too many mistakes. i got too many scars. i got too much junk. i got this, that, and no, no, no. God's word is telling us 
If we have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then we have been fully and completely equipped by God to fulfill the call of God upon our lives. There's nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can hinder us. There's no excuse that would ever be right. There's nothing that could ever stand in our way. If a brother or sister in the Lord makes up your mind, I'm gonna do what God has called me to do. I'm gonna step out in faith and declare the fact that I am what God says I am, then when you do it, God's going to give you, already has given you everything you need to accomplish the work. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now, now this is important. We need to remember that God is not calling us because of our ability. He is calling us because of our availability. Now, you might have heard that before. It might have been on a bumper sticker or something, but it's important that you truly understand what it's saying. For at the end of the day, we need to remember that God is not calling us because we have in and of ourselves that which he's looking for in order to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So many times God speaks to us about doing something and we look inwardly and we look in and of ourselves to see do I have what it takes to do what God has called me to do. That is a belief in the lie of the enemy. God is not, he's not calling us because he needs something we have. He's calling us because in order to see if we would be available He wants to see if we would be a willing vessel that would be open to allowing God to flow through us to accomplish his will. So the next time God speaks to you about doing something great for him and you start hesitating and you start wondering, ah, I just don't think I can do it. What you need to ask yourself is, is okay, who is it that's going to be the doer of this thing? He just needs a vessel to work through. I'm just a vessel. You shall lay hands on the sick. God is spirit. We are the replacement body of Jesus Christ. Therefore, our hands. He needs hands. Oh, hallelujah. You see, that's why God would choose David, who was not near as big and strong and handsome or capable as the rest of his brothers were. That's why God chose those particular 12 disciples, even though, let let me just say it like this. If you were going to choose 12 people, if God said, listen, I'm going to start this new thing on the earth, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to transform everything. And you're responsible for picking the 12 people that are going to be my disciples. They're going to propagate this thing, and it's going to begin in them. None of us in this room would have picked those 12 people. We we wouldn't have probably have picked one of the 12. They're just fishermen, tax collectors, whatever. We wouldn't have picked any of them. That's why, but God, the Lord did because he knew at least 11 of them were going to be available. 
He chose Paul. None of us would have chose Paul. Started off persecuting the church. On and on and on the list would go. God choosing people to fulfill his will that you and I would have never picked. And he did so not because he saw something in them that he needed, but because he saw some willingness in them to be used. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So for us to discount ourselves and for us to exempt ourselves from being involved in apostolic ministry, we need to remind and be reminded of the fact that it is God that is doing the work, not you. He just needs a vessel that will go and do, and lay hands, and open their mouth, and speak. He just needs a vessel. Hallelujah. Stay with me now. I'm almost done. He needs a vessel. He needs a vessel. That's it. He needs somebody that will say yes. And not yes to that whatever level we're currently operating at. Not just saying yes to the current uh, place of comfort that we're operating in at the present moment as it applies to ministry. He's looking for somebody that'll say yes to apostolic ministry on a level like the word of the Lord has promised us to operate in. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I can't do it, Pastor. I don't have it. I don't have it. No, you don't have it. And I don't have it either in my flesh. But guess what? We're not just flesh. I'm done. We're not just flesh. We are more than flesh. I said we are more than flesh and bone. We are more than humanity. Why? Because deity is living on the inside of you. The one who created the stars, the sun, the moon. The one who created it all. The one who opened the blind eyes, raised the dead. He is living on the inside of you. And if you would be a conduit of him, the Bible says as he is or was, so shall we be in this world. Whatever he did, we can do in this world. Why? Not enough ourselves, not with our own power, not with our own ability, but we've got Holy Ghost power living on the inside of us. And if we'll let that flow out of us and if we'll put ourselves in the position to be used in apostolic ministry, God's going to work and God's going to show up. Stand to your feet if you would. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. God, if just five of us would get this tonight. If just five of us would get this tonight. Ooh. Halabosataye lorobokotoya. Would you lift your voice right now, would you? Hallelujah. 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 Hall